Look for 7 at 7 local streaming news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Find it on your smartphone at the RJ app or it's available on Roku TV, Fire TV and Apple TV. Download the app and you're ready to go for 7 at 7. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. The organization has always sort of been built on, on a progressive mentality. Uh, Mr. Davis started that when he was with the team and, and some of the things he did throughout the years in the 60s and 70s. And Mark has really continued that. And I think you can look to Mark's words for how the organization feels. Uh, his first reaction was a genuine one. It's 2021 and we're still making a big deal out of this. But uh, we really shouldn't. I know, I know it is. I know it probably will remain. And, and we'll look forward to the day when it's not. Uh, but the organization is fully behind him um, and very supportive and, and proud of, of what he did yesterday. What's up, everybody? It's Wednesday, and that means it's time for another Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal and also presented to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Right off the top there, that was Raiders president Mark Bedane. He was talking about Carl Nassib, the Raiders defensive end, who has come out as gay, and he made a statement on his Instagram about that just on Monday. So we're going to talk a little bit about that later in the show. That'll be in my Takeaways portion of of the podcast. But first, I want to introduce the guest that I have on the show today. His name is Sanjeet T. He's going to be breaking down everything that he's done on his YouTube channel, some of the breakdowns that he extensively puts work into uh, looking at the Raiders, the team, the squad, and kind of uh, giving his Madden markup on things. So we're going to talk to him all about his channel, the Las Vegas Raiders News Network. We got into talking about all the different things that we had seen through Raiders Minicamp through Raiders OTAs in the past as well with the Raiders. And we also talked a little bit about Kurt Warner's assessment of Derek Carr and what he can do to help lead the Raiders to the promised land, that being the playoffs and Super Bowls. So let's go ahead and get into the interview now with Sanjeet T. Sanjeet, thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, Heidi. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, There's so many things coming out of uh, camp today. So I'm really excited to break some of that stuff down. People have seen your work for years on the Las Vegas Raiders News Network on YouTube. And I wanted to bring you on because first of all, uh, a full disclosure, we had a Q&A that I was hosting and a Raiders fan said, how come you don't have on any of the Raiders YouTube personalities? And I said, well, let's go and get Sanjeet T because that was who one of them had actually requested. So here we are today. And I really, again, am excited to have you on the show. Absolutely. I I do really appreciate you reaching out. For sure. So let's get into some of this stuff, because like you said, a lot happened with minicamp. We did hear Brian Edwards speak. He spoke about how much he might take a leap in this year. And I think that's something that is really important for this offense, that one of these wide receivers, whether it be Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, or John Brown, who's new to the offense, comes in and makes an immediate impact with this team. It's going to be so crucial to how they make their way down into the depths of the season and if they have a postseason life. So Sanji, what do you see from this team and the wide receiver core that is really going to help them come together? And what do they need to do to make that leap yeah absolutely you know I I do think that this offense will go as far as as the playmakers especially the receivers allow it to go and and I only say that because our offense was great last year right we're the 10th best offense in points per game 
but we did struggle at times, right? Rather, it was in the red zone, which I think we kicked 35 field goals last year. Um, short distance situations, we struggled as well. Um, and, you know, I, I look at our receivers and did we get better than last year? I don't know. We lost Nelson Aguilar, who was our most productive wide receiver. Um, and I know Brian Edwards is coming in into his second year. I know Henry Ruggs is going into his second year. We need to see this. We need to see those two guys take that leap. We need them to get much better than last year. Uh, Brian Edwards specifically, I think could have huge impacts for the Raiders. Uh, Derek has had some of his best years with, with bigger wide receivers like Michael Crabtree, uh, guys where he can line these guys up on the outside and let them work. And we haven't had that. Like last year specifically, we had Brenfro, Aguilar, and Ruggs, and all of those guys are much smaller. I think for Carr to have success, Brian Edwards needs to take that next step. Um, our offense this year is going to be tested. Where We have some tough uh, teams, especially in the beginning of the year. Um, at the same time, teams are going to continue to bracket Darren Waller. So we really have to see who's going to take that next step. Uh, at the same time, John Brown is not Nelson Aguilar, right? Those are two completely different players, even though sometimes people kind of want to say that John Brown will have the same success that Nelson Aguilar had. Uh, but they are different players, and we don't know if John Brown will have that same success. So at the, at, you know, when you consider all those different things, how is our wide receiver group going to work out this year? Like, how will it take that next step? Uh, I'm just not sold on it yet. I, I really wanted Julio Jones. Uh, obviously, I, I think maybe the fans wanted Julio a little bit more than the Raiders actually wanted him. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think the receiving group does have a lot of potential. I, I do think that those that first-round receiver, the pick in Brian Edwards, I think they have a lot of potential to be uh, great football players. Definitely so. And I think like you mentioned there with Brian Edwards, that he's so needed in the sense of a possession receiver, somebody that can really go up big body, grab it in the end zone, uh, just to kind of take some of the pressure off of what we've seen with Darren Waller over the past few seasons. But uh, I wanted to talk to you because this Raiders offense does have so many different weapons on offense, particularly when you start thinking about the new running backs, uh, running back, excuse me, that they've brought in and Kenyon Drake. Now, last year, obviously, Devontae Booker was in the mix and then Jalen Richard and we saw Josh Jacobs. But with the addition now of Kenyon Drake to the Raiders, how much of a different dynamic does he bring to that backfield and making the Raiders just up one more level in what they're doing there with the running backs? Yeah, you, you know, people don't think about this with Kenyon Drake, but uh, in two years with the Cardinals, Kenyon Drake had more yards than he did in four years with the Miami Dolphins, right? And, and it's not exactly four and two because he is just going into, I think, his fifth year. I, I think it was uh, three and a half years with the Dolphins and one and a half years with the uh, Cardinals. But Kenny and Drake bring so much versatility, right? He, one, he's a good running back, uh, but he can also catch out of the backfield. And the Raiders haven't had that from their running back uh, not at a consistent basis, right? Like Jalen Rashard has been a good football player, but Jalen Rashard is not as explosive as someone like Kenyon Drake. Uh, Kenyon Drake can take any pass or any short throw for a touchdown. Uh, and Jalen Rashard has been a great player on third downs. He's, a, he's been a great player to pass protect, but Kenyon Drake can kind of do all that and make plays. So I do think Kenyon Drake brings a huge versatility for the Raiders offense. Uh, at the same time, maybe we can get more out of Josh Jacobs with Kenyon Drake. Uh, I, I know there have been some talks about 
Kenny and Drake potentially lining up in the slot and kind of doing some things like that. Uh, but remember, Josh Jacobs at Alabama also did that. Josh Jacobs yeah. also lined up in the slot, and he also played a little bit of wide receiver for Alabama. So maybe Josh can get back to that as well. Uh, but I think this makes our offense so much more explosive. When you start breaking down the offense, it's nothing without the offensive line, right? And this Absolutely. year, I think Absolutely. a lot of people have some huge question marks about that offensive yeah. line, uh, especially Leatherwood. But you did a breakdown on Leatherwood and you put uh, different things about him yeah. on the record. What stands out about him? And I would love to get that here on the show for you to tell us right now what makes Alex Leatherwood so good and why he's going to hold down the fort for the Raiders on that offensive line. Absolutely. You, you know, first and foremost, uh, the difference between Alex Leatherwood and Trent Brown for this scheme specifically is just the world of differences. Uh, Trent Brown was a more of a power uh, offensive tackle, right? He was bigger. He was a little bit slower. Alex Leatherwood is the complete opposite. Now, Alex Leatherwood is still powerful, but Alex Leatherwood is going to fit the scheme perfectly. He's a zone offensive tackle. Um, and at the same time, Alex Leatherwood's a great run blocker and you know when I watched him initially I, I told myself this guy misses a lot of blocks uh, but when you take him missing blocks and you put it into specific categories a lot of the time it's it's he, he struggles with bigger defensive linemen and that could be just because of the fact that maybe he's not there with his strength maybe he's not there when it comes to playing against some of the top competition right playing at, playing in the SEC he is playing some of the best defensive linemen coming out of college um, but at the same time, he does need a little bit of work, in my opinion, in pass blocking. I, I think mm -hmm. that's the one part of his game where he will need to, you know, definitely improve in. Uh, but I will say this, right, with John Gruden specifically, you're doing, you know, you're running so many play actions, you're running so many different things. These offensive linemen are not always going to set up to pass protect, right? Sometimes they might jump the defensive lineman or, or a defensive end. Uh, because it might be a play action or it might be a bootleg, right? So I do think ultimately with the offensive coach and Tom Cable, the offensive line coach and Tom Cable, the way John Gruden kind of calls his plays, I, I think Alex Otherwood's going to have a great year this year. Definitely. I think that they're going to be more surprised than I think a lot of people earlier on when he was drafted thought yeah. like, oh no, what have we Absolutely. done? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think getting uh, Trayvon Merrick in the second round, definitely a Absolutely. lot of people were feeling a little bit better because they're like, okay, we addressed the defense. We got a safety. It's <laughs> yeah. a big sigh of relief. <laughs> and a lot of people even said, hey, if you switch the two picks, it doesn't make a difference. And you know, so in the end, the Raiders got after the positions and, and the talent yeah. that they've thought would be the best fit for the team. And that's been discussed. But yeah. when you think about uh, Trayvon Merrick, because I wanted to get into him a little bit, I mean, he's been a standout at TCU through yeah. the times that, you know, we've been able to see and what we've been able to watch with him. And as you look at the safeties and how they're developing with the Gus Bradley system um, and, and the amount of safeties that the Raiders brought in um, during just um the draft, the offseason, as well as with Jonathan Abram, who's been the incumbent. What do you think and see how the safeties will play out under the Gus Bradley defense? Yeah, I mean, if if you pay attention and, you know, I, I know a lot of us love the Raiders and we're listening to every little thing that all these coaches are saying. Uh, 
Mike Mayock and John Gruden have kind of stated these guys' roles, right? Uh, we know Trayvon Merrick will be the free safety. We know Jonathan Abram will be the strong safety. Uh, and this isn't the typical defense in the sense that, you know, these guys aren't going to be playing the, the typical split safety look, yep. right? Uh, Trayvon Merrick will be the true post safety. He'll be playing that the one-third middle portion of the field. And Jonathan Abram will ultimately be that box safety, right? He'll be four or five yards away from the line of scrimmage. Um, and I think that's Jonathan Abrams' best fit, right? Is right there on the line of scrimmage. At the same time, I don't know if having Trayvon Merrick as a true post safety is the best thing for him. And I only say that because Trayvon Merrick in college was making plays all over the field. And when you're telling him, hey, just cover just the deep third portion of the field, I'm sure he'll do a great job, but you might be limiting him a little bit in the sense that if you put Trayvon Merrick maybe in a nickel roll, right? You put him towards the line of scrimmage opposite of Jonathan Abram. He, he's responsible for, and, you know, he'll, he'll have a bigger impact, in my opinion, for the defense, right? Uh, but that's okay. I, I think over time, his role is going to transition. I, I think if there's one player on this defense that's going to be versatile, going from the post safety, playing nickel corner, to potentially lining up as a linebacker on third and long situations, I think Trayvon Merrick is going to be that guy. I, I think he's going to do a ton for this defense. Um, but that, that'll obviously be over time, right? We can't just expect a rookie to do all these things when he still has to adjust to the game speed, right? He still has to get used to uh, playing as a true free safety as opposed to being a split safety. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think Trayvon Merrick was such a great pick. Uh, the Raiders really hit with that. And I'm glad that we traded up and, you know, we didn't wait. And with the potential that he might be drafted, uh, I think the Cowboys were kind of interested in him as well. Uh, and I'm glad the Raiders moved up and took him, right? That, that was a, a big need for the Raiders. And, you know, they didn't hold back. So I'm really glad that Mayock and, and his department got things right. Right there, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear more about Carl Nassib as well as finish out this interview here with Sanji T. Please check out our new 7 at 7 newscast weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I want to get your take on this video that Kurt Warner put out and his assessment of Derek Carr and what the Raiders need from him to be able to have a good season and, and make the playoffs. And ultimately what he said was that there needs to be more aggressiveness. And I wanted to get your take on that and what you thought about Kurt Warner's uh, assessment of Carr in different situations, because it was much like how, how you are, very analytical with the film, looking at the tape and, and yep. breaking down where he was good and where he wasn't. Yeah, so uh, this is something I've said with Derek Carr for, uh, I'd say, two years now. Um, it's that at times he's aggressive, he plays great, and then at other times he's not as aggressive. Um, and Kurt Warner actually put a, a clip out. There was a clip specifically against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think he could have fit the ball into, I believe it was Nelson Aguilar, but instead he didn't take that shot and he slid and he took a sack. And I believe that was on third down. So we ended up punting right after that, right? So plays like that. And, you know, we, we've seen Derek do certain things like that in the past where maybe his third or fourth down, he throws the ball away, you know, he'll throw it out of bounds. Um, he'll take like that safe route. And I know fans sometimes don't, want that right they want him to try to get the first down try to make that throw 
but at the same time, we do have to understand, right? Our, our playmakers are not great. I know we have Darren Waller, which is true, but outside of Darren Waller, I don't think we have a ton of talent at the wide receiving group, right? Like I know Hunter Renfro is good at times. Uh, I know at times Henry Rugg could be good, but he was just a rookie last year. Considering all that, we don't have any guys like Julio Jones or, uh, you know, someone that can separate. Maybe it's someone like Amari Cooper, who we used to have in the past. Uh, and technically, Derek did have his best season when he had guys like Cooper and, and Michael Crabtree. Um, but I do think for Derek Carr to have success, ultimately, the, the players around him need to step up, especially his playmakers. Um, and ultimately, I think the defense needs to do their part as well, right? You can't have a top or a, a one of the worst defenses, a bottom ranked defense year in and year out and expect us to win games. Uh, but you know what Derek Carr does, you know, basically what Kurt Warner said, it is true, right? Derek Carr does have his struggles, uh, but he is also one of the best quarterbacks that we've had over how long, 20, 30, 40 years, right? Like he's one of the top three quarterbacks we've had. And I'm sure we've had like 40 quarterbacks over the last, you know, 40 years. And <laughs> he's definitely one of the best. So, um, you know, and, and I, I understand 50% of the band base wants to move on. 50% wants to keep him. And it might be a little bit different statistically, but if you wanted to move on from Carr, Heidi, you tell me, who do you get? Who is that guy that's going to take over for Derek Carr? Yeah, that is the question, right? Because when you think about it, and you're funny when you said how many quarterbacks there have been, I mean, the Bruce Gredkowski days, right? Uh, Jamarcus yeah. Russell, those are oh, fun man. days for everyone, yeah. I'm sure. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, going back through it, I mean, he's reliable. And I think that that's where, you know, the 50% that is, is still behind Carr yeah. uh, finds his strength is in the reliability that he has. And I, I'll admit when I've seen names like Russell Wilson, yeah. um, you know, that he was thinking about putting, you know, getting on the trade block or what have you. I thought, well, that would be a good fit, especially in a West Coast offense, right? Yeah. Um, you think about other guys that are um, out there, like a Deshaun Watson. Is he stronger and better? Well, yeah, but now there's all this other stuff that's happened with him yeah. that yeah. I, I think, you know, has absolutely hindered his value in stock yeah. that has decreased the interest that people have had in him. So overall, I mean, as of right now, if you look at, you know, what there is out there, I think the Raiders have a solid quarterback yeah. and there's probably, you know, absolutely. There are the guys out there like the Mahomes of the world and the Aaron yeah. Rodgers of the world that um, are, are elite. Those guys have had a good system that they've grown really strong under and that they've been able to flourish under. I think with Carr, he's had a lot of roadblocks that over time, when you think about the wide receiver core switching up, when you think about the offensive coordinator switching up, when you think about the injury that he had, he's had a lot of roadblocks. But overall, I think that he's definitely presented for the Raiders, somebody that has been consistent, that has been good uh, with the teams and the different challenges that have been presented to him and I yeah. think last year a lot of people expected a huge leap out yeah. of Derek Carr and they wanted him to be um on on that Mahomes level or what have you with um the the Gruden playbook and yeah. I think that he's there now and I think that we're going to be able to see a lot of things out of him but the question is can the younger guys step up that are in the roles that need to help lead this team like a Henry Ruggs or a Brian yeah. Edwards like we talked about before so yeah I think the Raiders um definitely this is, I think, a year where you have to look at Carr and say, if it's not, it's got to be better than 10 to 11 wins this year. Absolutely. If it's not there, 
then maybe next year they they should be looking yeah at well, uh, other options yeah well, you know you know what's an interesting thought and i was talking to um a- another youtuber about this uh via instagram last night why have the Raiders not extended Derek, right? He ha- he he ha- he's literally making $20 million this year. None of it's guaranteed the 20 this year, 20 next year. Uh, none of it's guaranteed. And as you know, as a quarterback, if you're the future of a quarterback, you can tell any team, right? Like Aaron Rodgers can go tell the Green Bay Packers, I want $40 million guaranteed this year to play. Um, the top 10 quarterbacks average, I think, $36 million a year. Why is Derek Carr settling for 20? Why has he not said, I w- at least want my guaranteed, I, I at least want the 40 million over the next few years guaranteed. Like, why has he, why has the Raiders not extended him? Why has Derek not said, I want that, you know, I want more money. I want to raise because quarterbacks don't play for no guaranteed money. Like that's not something we've seen. The, the great quarterbacks get their money. Um, and I've heard people say, well, Derek Carr is just not that guy. And I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I think there's a higher probability that maybe John does think to himself, if Derek can't complete some of those passes that Kurt Werner showed, if Derek can't get it done, then maybe we do need to move on, right? Maybe it's Marcus Mariota takes over, or maybe someone else takes over. Uh, You know, people always say, well, Marcus struggled against the Chargers. But Derek is also going into what his fourth year with John Gruden. Marcus, it was in his first year with John Gruden. You know, Marcus was not even able to make one audible in that Chargers game because he didn't know the system the way Derek knew the system. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's just something to think about. I also think about bringing him in and playing him um, kind of like the Saints do, you know, Uh, and bringing him into like some red zone situations. I think like, wow, that could be a really useful place to have him in some kind of gadget plays, you know, have him play a joker or something like we've seen in in different uh, teams and offenses. He has that ability to really run. He's got solid legs, you know, put him out there on a naked bootleg or something. But, you know, what I'm not the coach so <laughs> yeah yeah no i hear you you know we uh, i talk about this all the time and i always give these different scenarios like let's let's snap the ball directly to rugs or you know let marcus run these read options or some of these type of things mm-hmm. i do think marcus is different than Taysom hill in the sense that marcus does not want to take a hit right. uh, you know he he wants to be a quarterback in two years Taysom hill on the other hand will lower his shoulder and run over uh, a corner or a safety right so Taysom hill might not care as much uh, and he might be able to take that contact on a little bit more than someone like Marcus Mariota. Um, but it will be interesting to see if the Raiders do uh, have someone run that joker. Role, right? I think uh, Lynn Bowden uh, did like an article recently where he talked about it, how the Raiders had a, a formation for him to, to take those snaps. Um, I don't know if you saw that article, but I, I think about a month back, he, he did this you know, tell all type of article. Uh, And he talked a little bit about how the Raiders were planning on utilizing him and how they did have a package for him to, to take, take a direct snap and kind of do things like that. Um, You know, I I do think the Raiders need more, especially in the red zone. I think we have some struggles in the red zone. Um, You know, 35 field goals was, I think the fourth most field goals uh, kicked or converted, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting this year. Uh, we have that extra game as well. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how many games the Raiders can get. Uh, I, I do think the Raiders need to get into the playoffs this year. If they don't, something needs to change. Either John Gruden needs to be out or, 
you know, something needs to happen at that quarterback position. Uh, we've had a, a couple of losing seasons now. Um, since 2016, I guess they've all pretty much been losing seasons. And I don't know if eight and eight counts as a winning season or a losing season. I always say, Push. <laughs> I, I, I always say it's not a winning season, so it has to be a losing season. Right, right. So uh, in Vegas, they just call it a push. Yeah, <laughs> nobody okay. Wins, nobody <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, Sanjeet, tell everybody what you're working on right now with the next video. Uh, some of your analysis might be coming out next on your YouTube channel. Yes. So uh, if you guys don't follow me, you guys can find me at I actually recently changed my uh, YouTube name as well. Uh, before it was just Sanjeet T, but now it's Las Vegas Raiders News Network. Uh, so you guys can find me on YouTube, uh, all the other social media platforms. I will be having a ton of film breakdowns. Uh, I have an Alex Leatherwood video that I've been working on. Uh, that'll probably drop this upcoming Saturday. Um, and then I'll be looking at the offensive linemen in a deeper way as well, because you guys know that we struggled running the football at times last year. So I want to talk about how we can get that fixed. Great stuff. Well, I, I had a question for you just on my own. You know, I would have been yes. thinking about it. Like, how did you get started and doing the breakdowns and just uh, looking at the film and doing what you do with the, uh, the analysis? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. I appreciate you asking. Uh, a lot of people don't care. A lot of people don't ask. So I do appreciate it. Um, it's actually a funny story. Uh, me and my brother were watching uh, ESPN, I'd say like four or five years ago. Uh, and I forget who the, uh, the guy was that was talking, but they were talking about the Raiders. And they were talking about something specific. And me and my brother were like, this makes no sense. Like, this guy does not know what he's talking about. Like, the, the thing he just stated is factually not true. Uh, and then from there, we we're kind of just talking. And he, my brother's like, you know, you should go and kind of take that clip and then tell everybody why it's wrong. And it kind of just went from there. And, you know, just kind of having, you know, like, Vegas Nation, uh, the podcast, you know what you're talking about. You know, you, you're you there every day uh, whenever the media is allowed in the building. You know everything when it comes to the Raiders. Like, you knew when Rodney Hudson got traded that Andre James is taking over. Yeah. 99% of the national media has no idea who Andre James is, right, until he got his contract. No one knew who he was. So I, I do think that the average fan would rather listen to people like you and me as opposed to someone like, and I'm going to just say like Stephen A. Smith, right? Or Colin <laughs> Coward, right? I, I do think the average Raider fan would appreciate us more because we know what we're talking about when it comes to our team. And I'm here for all of it with the Raiders throughout the season. Uh, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you are listening. That way we can get everybody else that wants to talk about Raider Nation involved here on the show. <laughs> I love it. I love having different people, personalities all the time. That's what we do here on the Takeaways podcast. And I've certainly enjoyed having you on today, Sanjeet. Please let everybody know where they can find your work uh, and on social media, all the different handles that you might have. Absolutely. Again, thank you, Heidi. Uh, you guys can find me at at Sanji underscore T. Awesome. Thank you very much again. And uh, I hope to have you back soon. Thank you for so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, that was my interview with Sanji T. As we start to wrap things up here on the show, it's time for my takeaways portion of the show where I analyze something that's gone on with the Raiders. And obviously, there's something that everyone's been talking about. So I'm going to give it my two-minute breakdown here as I've done with things in the past. And that would be Carl Nassib's announcement coming out that he is gay on Instagram and making the statement that he has donating 100 grand to the Trevor Project 
Project, which is a suicide prevention organization for LGBTQ youth. Um, it's the TrevorProject.org, and studies have shown all it takes is one accepting adult to decrease the risk of an LGBTQ kid attempting suicide by 40%. Whether you're a friend, a parent, a coach, a teammate, you can be that person, was something that Carl Nassib also wrote on that post that he had put on Instagram. And I thought that was such a key part of what he had to say. And um, it, it's so important that he's doing this and making that uh, happen because there are kids every day that question if they're doing something wrong, if they're being wrong by being who they are. And if he's given one of those kids a shred of inspiration, a shred of hope in their scenarios and what they may be going through, then I have nothing else to do but to applaud Carl Nassib. That within itself, I think, is part of what makes it such a big deal as well. And what I loved is that he said how much he loves his life and he can't understand why he's been blessed with so much and that he's so thankful to have the support of everybody. And, uh, you know, Raider Nation has obviously been very accepting. Uh, Mark Bedane gave our Cassie Soto quite the statement where he says, you know, this has been what the Raiders do. So when you think about it, and you go back through time with Al Davis and a pioneering that he did for people of color, particularly that weren't being drafted, that weren't being put into coaching positions for women who weren't being put into large roles in the NFL. And Al Davis went and put that all on the map. And those were huge, huge steps for others in the NFL, that there was somebody that was out there doing that. And I think that this organization, the Raiders, has always kind of stood for that. And then we heard from head coach John Gruden saying, regarding Carl Nassib, I learned a long time ago what makes man different is what makes him great. And then our own Ed Graney went out and talked with Mark Davis, the owner, who said, these are personal decisions. It's 2021 and he's a Raider. If he's happy, I'm happy. It takes courage. I thought we got to the point where this wasn't a story. It doesn't change my opinion of him as a man or as a Raider, nor should it. And I think that those are uh, big statements from the Raiders coming out to show their support of Carl Nassib. So I appreciate everybody out there for tuning into the show today. Thank you so much for your time. That'll do it for my takeaways portion of the show in the takeaways podcast which you can always find by hitting subscribe right now wherever you're listening and check out all of our work that we do all throughout the season all throughout the year on vegasnation.com that'll do it for me this week give me a follow on twitter at heidi fang i appreciate all of you for listening Use your mobile phone to get seven minutes of nonstop news from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Seven at seven, weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m.